0: Very quickly, you didn't want to get involved in the Ukraine conflict militarily for obvious reasons. Are you willing to get involved militarily to defend Taiwan if it comes to that?
1: Yes. You are? That's a commitment we made. Wait. What? We
2: did? I don't remember that. Thanks. I'm so scared in case I fall off my chair And I'm wondering how I'll get down the stairs Clowns to the left of me,
0: jokers to the right Here I am, stuck in the middle with you
2: I am... From Pacifica Radio in Los Angeles, this is The broadcast As heard on KPFK 90.7 FM in L.A., 98.7 in Santa Barbara, 93.7 in San Diego, 99.5 FM in Ridgecrest and China Lake. Also in California, in Red Bluff and Redding on KFOI, Round Mountains KKRN and Eureka's KGOE. Up in Oregon on the Central Coast on KYAQ, Cottage Grove's KSO, Eugene's KEPW. Lancaster, Pennsylvania's WLRI, Maui, Hawaii's KAKU, Columbus, Ohio's WGRN, in Palinville, New York on WLPP, Rochester, New York's WRFZ, down in New Orleans on WHIV, out in Gallup, New Mexico on KNIZ, Concord, New Hampshire's WNHN, Fayetteville, Arkansas's KPSQ in Seattle on KODX, Janesville, Wisconsin's WADR and Minneapolis, St. Paul's AM 950 KTNF. We also stream coast to coast and around the globe every day on the internet on the Progressive Voices Channel, Netroots Radio, Radio for Humans FYI Nation, NicoleSandler.com Radio Free Brooklyn, Workforce Rising No Lies Radio, Burden Square Radio and Detour Talk, Blanketing Planet Earth, Great affiliate, Progressive Affiliate uh, Stations, all Blanketing Planet Earth five days a week. I'm Brad Friedman, your friendly investigative blogger, journalist, troublemaker, muckraker, and all-around swell fellow, says me, from bradblog.com. Welcome to the Bradcast, the hour in which you will not hear paid Russian propaganda, or, for that matter, propaganda from anywhere.
0: Sounds good to me.
2: Welcome to it. Thank you. Glad you could join us. Hi, Desi Doyen. Hi. Uh, Well, it appears to be, uh, you know, just another day today... Uh, In our everything, everywhere, all at once multiverse era, from Biden in Asia to Russia's assault and war crimes in Ukraine to a new not far right prime minister elected in Australia who hopes to end the climate wars there finally. Is that the right way to characterize that, Desi Doyen? You can't. You're. You're. I'm sorry.
0: I was talking with the engineer. What was that?
2: Never mind. It's all right. You you go ahead about your. I was talking about Australia. Yes. Ending the climate wars, maybe with this not far right-wing prime minister? Is that uh, uh, a correct uh, way to characterize that?
0: That is a correct way to characterize it. The new Australian prime minister is from the Labor Party. Voters apparently got really tired of all of the climate disasters that have been pummeling Australia over the last several years, and the conservative prime minister that they had uh, who was actually doubling down on coal and natural gas and fossil fuels, so this is a good thing.
2: And all the paid propaganda that made its way into both Australia and the U.S. For some reason, courtesy of one Rupert Murdoch exactly from that to the continuing and yes surging again covid surge never mind monkeypox for the moment as a Pfizer on Monday announced the plan to vaccinate children under five for the first time to new rulings from our corrupt stolen and packed GOP Supreme Court including a ruling that will make it harder for those sentenced to death to the death penalty Even after their state-appointed attorneys have failed them, it'll make it harder for them to get a new hearing on new evidence in federal court to prevent them from being killed by the government, uh, even if the evidence proves they are not guilty of a crime. No ruling today, I should say, from the high court, however, on the case that is likely to overturn Roe v. Wade ending 50 years of constitutional freedoms for reproductive rights— That will be happening within the next few weeks. Bank on it. To uh, primary elections this week in Alabama, Arkansas, and Georgia. Yes, Georgia. Not to mention a critical Republican primary uh, runoff election for Attorney General in Texas. A critical Democratic primary runoff for the U.S. House in Texas. And, of course, a heads up that in two weeks it'll be primary election super-duper Tuesday. With elections on the same day on June 7 here in California, also Iowa, Mississippi, Montana, New Jersey, New Mexico and San Diego following a break in the primary schedule over the uh, Memorial Day week next week. And then the U.S. House January 6 select committee's public hearings will be held. The committee on Monday finally announced their official Dates for that with a primetime hearing kicking it all off 8 p.m. Eastern time on June 9, followed by a four uh, four daytime hearings over the following two weeks and a closing primetime hearing on June 23rd. Mark your calendars. Anyway, any event. Yes, everything, everywhere, all at once. That is just a sampling Uh, And so with everything, everywhere, all at once, today we will hit a few of those items in the news quickly before we get to my guest today with some interesting and actually troubling concerns about elections out here in California and something that the Democratic-dominated state legislature out here seems to be hell-bent on doing, no matter how many voting system and cybersecurity experts are begging them to not do it. And no matter how many other states across the country tend to follow California's example when it comes to new election laws. I'll get to that in a moment. First up, some very quick news of note from overseas worth putting onto your radar today with possible repercussions as well in the days ahead. Just to add to the growing mess everywhere all at once. President Joe Biden uh, said on Monday the U.S. would intervene militarily if China were to invade Taiwan, declaring the commitment to protect the island is, quote, even stronger after Russia's invasion of Ukraine. It was one of the most forceful presidential statements in support of Taiwan's self-governing in decades At a news conference in Tokyo, Biden said yes when asked if he was willing to get involved militarily to defend Taiwan if China should invade. That's the commitment we made, he said. Well, that's a first, at least to my knowledge. The U.S. traditionally has avoided making such an explicit security guarantee to Taiwan with which it no longer has a mutual defense treaty instead maintaining a policy of what's been described as quote strategic ambiguity yes that's actually what the us has been official uh, what the us policy has been officially referred to as at least until now didn't seem so am- ambiguous today uh, anyway, about how far they would go to protect Taiwan, the 1979 Taiwan Relations Act, which has governed U.S. relations with the island, does not require the U.S. to step in militarily if China invades, but makes it American policy to ensure Taiwan has the resources to defend itself and to prevent any unilateral change of status By Beijing. The remarks came as President Biden was announcing a new trade agreement in Tokyo on Monday with leaders of Japan, India, and 10 other countries. The new Indo-Pacific, Indo-Pacific economic framework, billed by the administration as a regional economic alliance with friendly Asian nations to counter the influence of China in the region. During the press conference, President Biden cited Russia's unjustified, appalling invasion of Ukraine saying consequences must be deep and significant to deter other countries who might be considering similar aggression.
1: We support the one China policy. We report all, all that we've done in the past. But that does not mean, it does not mean that China has the ability, has the, excuse me, the, the jurisdiction to go in and use force to take over Taiwan. So we stand firmly with Japan and with other nations that, not to let that happen. And uh, my expectation is it will not happen. It will not be attempted. My expectation is a lot of it depends upon just how strongly the world makes clear that that kind of action is going to result in long-term disapprobation by the rest of the community.
0: Very quickly, you didn't want to get involved in the Ukraine conflict militarily for obvious reasons. Are you willing to get involved militarily to defend Taiwan if it comes to that? Yes. You are.
1: That's the commitment we made. That's the commitment we made. We are not look, here's the situation. We agree with a one China policy. We signed on to it and all the attendant agreements made from there. But the idea that that it can be taken by force, just taken by force, is just not is just not appropriate. It will dislocate the entire region and be another action similar to what happened in, in, uh, in, in Ukraine. And so it's a, it's a burden that is even stronger.
2: Joe Biden, uh, on Monday, a White House official said that his comments did not reflect a policy shift for the U.S., so make of that what you will for now. However, the president's words drew a sharp response from mainland China, which has claimed Taiwan to be a rogue province Of China, a Chinese military foreign ministry spokesperson uh, expressed, quote, strong dissatisfaction and resolute opposition to Biden's comments. He added, quote, China will take firm action to safeguard its sovereignty and security interests, and we will do what we say. So make of that what you will for now. China has stepped up its military provocations against democratic Taiwan in recent years, aimed at intimidating it into accepting Beijing's demands to unify with the communist mainland, as AP reports under the one China policy. The U.S. recognizes Beijing as the government of China and doesn't have diplomatic relations with China, with Taiwan directly. However, the U.S. maintains unofficial contacts, including a de facto embassy in Taipei, the capital and supplies military equipment for the island's defense. Biden added that deterring China from attacking Taiwan was one reason why it's important that Russian President Vladimir Putin, quote, pay a dear price for his barbarism in Ukraine, lest China and other nations get the idea that such action is acceptable. It is not acceptable. I agree with him, it is appalling. Biden's latest comments on Taiwan came just it is appalling no matter what you uh, hear from anyone who might want to defend what Russia is doing right now. Biden's latest comments on Taiwan came just before he formally launched that long anticipated Indo-Pacific trade pact. That excludes Taiwan. White House National Security Advisor Jake Sullivan confirmed on Sunday that Taiwan is not among the governments signed up for the Indo-Pacific Economic Framework, which is meant to allow the U.S. to work more closely with key Asian economies on issues like supply chains, digital trade, clear energy and anti-corruption inclusion of Taiwan would have irked China, of course, though it's hard to imagine that Biden's comments about them did not do so already. Jake Sullivan said the U.S. wants to deepen its economic partnership with Taiwan on a one-to-one basis instead. But speaking of Ukraine and the lessons being learned in that conflict, a 21-year-old Russian soldier who pleaded guilty to killing a civilian in Ukraine was sentenced on Monday by a Ukrainian court to life in prison. In the first of what could be a multitude of war crimes trials inside of Ukraine, Russian Sergeant Vadim Shishimarin was sentenced for the killing of a 62-year-old man who was shot in the head in a village in the northeastern Sumy region in the early days of the war. Shishimarin, a captured member of a tank unit, apologized to the man's widow in court His Ukraine-appointed defense attorney argued his client had been unprepared for the, quote, violent military confrontation and mass casualties that Russian troops encountered when they invaded. Uh, He has said he would appeal the uh, sentencing on Monday. Shishimarin told the court that he at first disobeyed his immediate commanding officer's order to shoot the unarmed civilian but had no choice but to follow the order when it was repeated forcefully by another officer, Arif Abraham, a British-based human rights lawyer, said the trial was conducted, quote, with what appears to be full and fair due process, including access to an attorney, and noted that following a, a uh, an order is not a defense under war crimes law. Ukrainian prosecutors are investigating thousands of potential war crimes, and to be frank, Uh, I had a difficult time not feeling terrible for this kid who said "And he was a kid. He's 21 years old. He said he had no idea he would be going to war when he was shipped out. He had joined the military to help make life better for his parents. It's also sad and pathetic, to be frank. Meanwhile, in a stunning public expression of opposition to the war from the ranks of the Russian elite... Been waiting for this for a while. A veteran Kremlin diplomat at the U.N. has resigned and sent a scathing letter to foreign colleagues in which he said of the invasion, quote, never have I been so ashamed of my country as on February 24 of this year. Boris Bondarev, a veteran Russian diplomat at the U.N. office in Geneva, resigned and sent a letter railing against the, quote, aggressive war unleashed by Russian President Vladimir Putin and told AP, quote, it is intolerable what my government is doing now. I want to read his his brief letter, his brief statement in full, because uh, frankly, it's remarkable to hear from a top Russian diplomat at the U.N. After Russian President Vladimir Putin has made it clear that dissent will not be tolerated in that country, in their, uh, 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 in their certainly in their military, certainly in their uh, State Department, their Foreign Ministry, certainly not on their media, their paid state propaganda media, which uh, spreads its tentacles not just in the uh, in Russia but all over the world. So. Um, Yeah. Putin made it clear that uh, there would be no such dissent. He said back in March, for example, that the Russian people can distinguish between, quote, true patriots from scum and traitors. Well, I guess Bondarev is now one of those scum, scums and traitors, despite his years in the Foreign Service on behalf of Russia. He's the counselor at the Permanent Mission of the Russian Federation to the U.N., He said he had left the civil service on Monday. He posted this statement on both his LinkedIn and Facebook pages. Uh, Quote from Boris Bondarev, long overdue, but today I resign from civil service. Enough is enough, he wrote. For 20 years of my diplomatic career, I have seen different turns of our foreign policy, but never have I been so ashamed of my own country as on February 24 of this year. That was the day that Russia invaded Ukraine. The the aggressive war unleashed by Putin against Ukraine and, in fact, against the entire Western world is not only a crime against the Ukrainian people, but also perhaps the most serious crime against the people of Russia. With a bold letter Z crossing out all hopes and prospects for a prosperous, free society in our country. Bondorov writes, Those who conceive this war want only one thing, to remain in power forever, live in pompous, tasteless palaces, sail on yachts comparable in tonnage and cost to the entire Russian Navy, enjoying unlimited power and complete impunity. To achieve that, they're willing to sacrifice as many lives as it takes. Thousands of Russians and Ukrainians have already died just for this. Bondarev said, I regret to admit that all that over all these 20 years, the level of lies and unprofessionalism in the work of the foreign ministry has been increasing all the time. However, in most recent years, this has become simply catastrophic. Instead of unbiased information, impartial analysis and sober forecasting, there are propaganda cliches. In the spirit of Soviet newspapers of the 1930s, a system has been built that deceives itself, he wrote on Monday. The uh, decades long counselor uh, for uh, Russia at the U.N., he, he, uh, he said, uh, and, and he said, uh, uh, I, if it's Russian, where are we here? Russian foreign minister uh, Lavrov is a good illustration of the degradation of the system. In 18 years, he went from a professional and educated intellectual whom many of my colleagues held in high esteem to a person who constantly broadcasts conflicting statements and threatens the world that is Russia, too, with nuclear weapons. He is right on all of this, as we've been trying to point out on this program, particularly to some on the left who claim to claim to be anti-war and uh, correctly hold the U.S. accountable for its own inexcusable invasions of other sovereign nations. Only for some reason to give Russia a pass somehow based on, yes, propaganda disseminated by Russia and uh, too many have fallen for that propaganda. Back to uh, Bondarov's statement here. Uh, he says that today the Ministry of Foreign Affairs is not about diplomacy in Russia. It's all about warmongering, lies, and hatred. It serves the interest of the few, the very few people, thus contributing to further isolation and degradation of my country. Russia no longer has allies, and there is no one to blame, but its reckless and ill-conceived policy. I studied to be a diplomat, he writes, and have been a diplomat for 20 years. The ministry has become my home and family, but I simply cannot any longer share in this bloody, witless, and absolutely needless ignominy. Bondarev, a decades long counselor at the permanent mission of the Russian Federation to the United Nations in Geneva, who added at the very end job offers are welcome. Oh, wow. I guess they are.
0: Yeah, and he might also want to beef up his security?
2: Yeah, I was going to say, along with the safe asylum somewhere at this point, somewhere that is not uh, in Russia. So anyway, I am taking this as good news uh, to see that there are those in the top ranks in Russia uh, who are finally willing to risk their jobs and, frankly, their lives to speak out against uh, these unspeakable atrocities right now being carried out by Putin's Russia. I can only hope that some on the American left, and again, it's not a lot, but there are some, including I know some who listen to this program because I hear from them from time to time. I can only hope that some of those folks will show even a percentage point of the courage that Russia's Boris Bondarev is showing here to review their own assumptions about all of this, to review the amount of propaganda that they have taken on and bought into, and admit that, you know, while it might have been appropriate, is appropriate, was appropriate to hold the U.S. and E.U. and NATO to account for exacerbating tensions in the region in recent decades, nothing, nothing justifies the appalling war and war crimes that are now being carried out in Russia's name. Nothing. Again, if you were anti-war and you held the U.S. accountable when they invaded a sovereign Iraq, as I did, well, you simply cannot consider yourself anti-war if you are not willing to condemn Russia's equally brutal invasion of its sovereign neighbor Ukraine in the strongest terms possible. If time allows, uh, speaking uh, after speaking with my guest here momentarily on something entirely different, uh, I'll be happy to take your calls on this at 818-985-5735 to tell me why I am wrong, if you like, or to discuss anything else that may be on your mind at the start of another horrifically busy news week, apparently. 818-985-KPFK, if time allows today, please jot it down. Let's take a, a quick break here now, and... Um, a seemingly whiplash-inducing uh, change of topic because, again, as I said, it is everything, everywhere, all at once. As California Democrats, incredibly enough right now, are on a path to ignore pretty much all legitimate voting system and cybersecurity experts in the world to begin to introduce Uh, I can't even believe I'm saying this. Internet voting. Yes, you heard me right. Because we don't have enough nightmares in our current election system, they want to introduce Internet voting right here in the Golden State. One of the nation's top longtime opponents of Internet voting joins us next to explain California's SB 1480, which has been moving on a very quick path towards passage in the state legislature right now. He'll be to explain, here, here to explain that bill and why it is such a terrible idea for democracy. That's straight ahead. This is the Bradcast. I'm Brad Friedman.
0: What the public hears on the public airwaves matters. Please help us stay on your public airwaves by going to bradblog.com donate to help keep us going. That's bradblog.com donate. And thanks.
2: Welcome back. It's the Bradcast. Brad Friedman from bradblog.com. This happens year after year after year, it seems, here in California in our state legislature. It's like Democrats there just do not get it. It's a legislature dominated by Democrats, and yet they keep doing this. Okay, uh, did I say welcome back to the Bradcast? Yeah, Brad Friedman, bradblog.com, all of that. Over the past week or so, on this program, with primary season now fully upon us, we've covered widespread voting system problems in Pennsylvania during their primaries last week. It prevented an untold number of voters from being able to vote at all for several hours, the first several hours of, of voting in, in three di- at least three different counties, largely due to the failure of electronic poll book computers, With no backup paper poll books at the precinct to take care of the problem, leaving voters unable to vote on unverifiable touchscreen computers used in several largely Republican-leaning counties there. Those poll books were just added to those counties after, well, you may recall, a couple of years ago here in Los Angeles, we began using electronic poll books, and on primary day uh, two years ago, it was a disaster as those electronic poll books did not work, and was, of course there were no paper poll books to back them up. We also, just last week, discussed a stunning story out of Georgia, where GOP election officials in Coffee County appear to have allowed a bunch of Team Trump MAGA folks to make. Illicit copies of proprietary voting system tabulation software following their pretend claims that the 2020 presidential election was stolen from Donald Trump. What those folks now plan to do with that software, which is really the key to the kingdom, uh, not just in, in, in jurisdictions that use touchscreen voting systems, but also... Wherever they use hand marked paper ballot systems as well, because those were also tabulated by the same voting system software that was stolen, it seems, from Coffee County, Georgia, where they are having primary elections on Tuesday, and where the Secretary of State is not being completely clear about whether this in, uh, matter was investigated or not, as we discussed on the show last week. On Friday's broadcast, we were joined by two longtime, well respected. Nonpartisan election integrity and transparency advocates who were threatened with arrest if they step foot on the public property of the Wake County, North Carolina elections headquarters, the most populous and arguably most Democratic leaning uh, county in the state in uh, North Carolina, where they held primaries last week. They were uh, these two election uh, advocates were hoping to serve as observers of the election night tabulation. It's yet another insane story. And like the others, if you haven't heard them, you can download them anytime for free at bradblog.com. And today we move back here to California, where Democrats in the state legislature as the legislative session draws to a close in the next week or so, are once again trying to push through new election-related legislation that defies the advice of dozens of voting system and cybersecurity experts and organizations and would allow for Internet voting here in the Golden State, which is currently, luckily, thankfully, prohibited by law. Senate Bill 1480 is sponsored by Bay Area State Democratic Senator Steve Glazer. Uh, It would change uh, that prohibition on Internet voting if this law is successfully adopted and then signed by the governor. On Friday, despite opposition from about 40 voting rights and uh, cybersecurity groups, including Brennan Center for Justice, California Voter Foundation, the Electronic Frontier Foundation, Verified Voting, Public Citizen, some of our personal favorites like Coalition for Good Governance, Free Speech for People, Scrutineers.org, not to mention about a dozen grassroots indivisible organizations, Progressive Democrats of America and others, and with the support. So that was the opposition, the support of a handful, less than 10 groups, including Microsoft and the California Council of the Blind. With all of that, uh, SB 1480 passed out of the State Senate Appropriation Committee and now heads to the State Senate floor this week, I believe. If adopted, it moves to the Assembly for approval there, then to the governor for his signature, unless it is stopped, given that this all could happen within the next week. Uh, it needs to be stopped quickly. Here's the description, part of the description of SB 1480 from the Legislative Council's Digest for what they are calling electronic remote accessible vote-by-mail systems. In other words, Internet voting. Uh, the uh, Digest explains this bill would require a county elections official to permit a voter with a qualifying disability to use a certified remote-accessible vote-by-mail system that enables the voter to return a completed ballot electronically. The bill would permit the Secretary of State to certify this type of remote-accessible vote-by-mail system and to develop procedures for a voter using the system to submit a signature electronically as well. So no more uh, ink-wet signature on those uh, return ballots when we, if we move to this Internet system. It would be an electronic signature. Good luck comparing that to a real one. Uh, the digest goes on to explain existing law imposes various restrictions on voting systems generally, including that no part of the voting system shall be connected to the internet at any time. That's good. Existing law specifically prohibits a remote accessible vote by mail system from having the capability to use a remote server to mark a voter's selection transmitted to the server from the voter's computer via the internet. Nor may it store any voter identifiable selections on any remote server or to tabulate votes. This bill, however, they note, would exempt the aforementioned remote accessible vote by mail system from these prohibitions. Now, as I understand it, SB 1480, until such time as the secretary of state actually certifies one of these Internet voting systems, qualified disabled voters would also, through SB 1480, be allowed to vote by fax. Which, as I think my guest will explain, is also a very serious concern among voting system and cybersecurity experts. Joining us now to help us unpack this concern that has been on almost nobody's radar other than Democrats in the state legislature here in California, or those trying to stop this latest effort to move to internet voting, uh, is longtime voting system and cybersecurity expert Dr. David Jefferson. Dr. Jefferson worked for years at the Lawrence-Livermore National Laboratories in California, where he remains a visiting if retired computer scientist, and as an internationally recognized expert on voting systems and election technology, he's uh, been a pioneer in research at the intersection of computing and the Internet and elections for more than 20 years and has been an advisor to five successive secretaries of state here in California on technology related issues, specifically on voting technology. David Jefferson has spent many years warning about the dangers of Internet voting, now including one of the newest uh, (laughs) ill-considered trends, Blockchain voting, as we, I think, last talked with him about on this program. Dr. Jefferson was a longtime member of the board of directors of the California Voter Foundation and of Verified Voting, two nonprofits, nonpartisan organizations devoted to promoting open, secure election technology. Dr. David Jefferson, welcome back to the broadcast, sir.
3: Hi, Brad. It's great to be with you again. I hope you can hear me okay.
2: I can hear you just fine. You sound great, David. Thank you. Before we get into why this bill is such a concern, not just for California, but frankly for the entire country, which tends to follow on California voting trends, uh, this law references an electronic remote accessible vote-by-mail system, or electronic R-A-V-B-M. What is understood uh, to be meant by that phrase, David Jefferson? Well, so
3: remote accessible VBM, remote accessible vote by mail, is a concept that's already in the California uh, elections code, and it's intended to help uh, disabled or remote voters, say overseas voters, mm-hmm. vote. And the idea is the idea of non-electronic RAVBM is that the voter downloads a blank ballot, fills it out on their computer, then prints it. On paper and mails it back through the mail system to the county. So it's a paper ballot. Mm -hmm. It's auditable. It's voter verified. The electronic uh, RAVBM is kind of a a contradiction in terms because Mm -hmm. you're no longer mailing a piece of paper back. You are after filling out the ballot on your computer screen or your mobile device. You then click a button that says send it back by fax or or some other electronic means. Mm And uh, and then uh, and it inevitably travels over the Internet from the voter back to the uh, to the jurisdiction that's going to count it. Mm -hmm. So it's not a a uh, voter verifiable ballot by the time it gets to the jurisdiction. And it's not meaningfully auditable because it's not voter verified. And uh, and it's subject to many, many cybersecurity hazards along the way that we can talk about
2: the, uh, The the bill text uh, says upon certification, county election officials shall permit a voter with a qualifying disability to use a certified remote accessible vote by mail system that enables the voter to return a ballot by electronic means and in a private and independent manner. Now, uh, it says, uh, quote, qualifying disability means a disability that prevents a voter from reading, marking, holding, handling or manipulating a ballot, including blindness, visual impairment or uh, an intellectual or developmental disability or impairment in dexterity such that the voter is unable to return a ballot privately and independently, which, by the way, is a requirement of the Federal Help America Vote Act of 2002, that voters, uh, including disabled voters, be allowed to vote privately and independently. So, David Jefferson, that sounds useful. What's wrong with that? Well, first, let me
3: acknowledge that everybody recognizes that disabled voters uh, have, have many barriers to make to, to simple and easy voting, and nobody wants to put additional barriers or to get in the way of of uh, disabled voters. But the concern here is a is a balance between the fundamental security of the uh, the integrity of the election, mm-hmm. which is a national security issue, mm-hmm. compared to the convenience or inconvenience uh, of voters with certain disabilities. And and as much as I would like to be able to find different ways of aiding, uh, disabled voters, uh, allowing them to, to transmit ballots over the internet. is just not one of them because of the, uh, the, the terrible danger that it provides to the, uh, mm-hmm. to the integrity of the election. Really? California has been a leader in not allowing any form of internet voting. Mm-hmm. Um, and other states, uh, some other states have, have copied that, uh, You know, because they often look to California for leadership on technical issues. Mm -hmm. This would be, in my opinion, a a giant step backwards to uh, extend Internet voting to uh, to the disabled voters or to any voters. And it's just too too dangerous. And and unfortunately, it would be the, the votes of the disabled voters themselves that are at risk.
2: Yeah. And uh, it just and we've seen this uh, introduced uh, really year after year, session after session by Democrats. I'm sorry to say in the uh, in the state legislature up in Sacramento. Uh, And I know that you and others have have spoken out against these bills. Have we been successful in the past in stopping this madness? Um, But now this is moving very quickly. David, Uh, is is this just you know is the concern here? This is poking the camel's nose into the tent. So to speak. It's, you know, it's only disabled voters. It'll be through a, some sort of a limited fax system. Uh, is, is, is the concern that this one is, you know, one small step to, for Internet voting that could easily expand to fully remote Internet voting for all voters? Or is it concern enough just that the door is being opened even to a limited number of so-called qualified disabled voters? So there are a couple of, of angles on
3: this. One is that you could argue that the, that the camel's nose is already under the tent with internet voting because in California, uh, so-called UOCAVA voters—that is, uniformed military and overseas uh, mm-hmm. citizens—are mm-hmm. also already allowed to vote by fax. So this is an extension of, uh, it can be viewed as an extension of that. Of that already, we are extending the same privilege to. Uh, these categories of, da- of disabled voters. So the camel's head, you know, would, mm. be, would be under the tent mm. at that point. Mm-hmm. It's pretty clear to many of us that um, the long-term goal of some of the backers, uh, the money backers of bills like this, and by the way, it's not just California, these bills pop up uh, all yeah. over the country, Yeah, um, that their long-term goal is to open the door to internet voting to, to all voters, if, if they can. They've tried before, and it's in some states, they have succeeded for some some time, although it fortunately hasn't lasted. Hmm. Uh, so, yes, that's definitely a a, a
2: realistic concern. And until such a system is actually certified by the secretary of state, according to this bill, uh, it sounds like uh, disabled, qualified disabled voters will be able to immediately start voting by fax. Uh, Why is that a concern? I mean, uh, you know, in the old days, they used to say, well, that was one of the most, you know, secure from a fax modem to somebody else's fax modem, that that was a very secure way to transfer information.
3: Yes, so that is a concern. You're right. Um, until the Secretary of State certifies some other electronic R-A-V-B-M system, if she ever does or he ever does, mm-hmm. uh, until that time, this law requires for all 58 counties to immediately start accepting fax ballots from uh, this disab- uh, disabled voter community, and immediately uh, meaning yes, fax- meaning this uh, this year
2: for the, no, the no, midterms.
3: Sorry, no, no, no. When uh, when the bill is is uh, uh, is on the, is on the book. So it's probably starting in January. would be my guess. Uh, okay. Not, not this year. Okay. Um, well, at least I presume it's not this year. <laughs> yeah. I was told that I was told that by the elections committee. Yeah. I hope it's not, I hope it doesn't come into force. Right. Before, uh, the general election. Right. Um, and by the way, it's being, It's being voted on like in the next hour or so. It's not just this week. It's today that the Senate will vote on it. So the concern with the concern with fax voting is that for all practical purposes today, faxes are transmitted over the Internet. Nobody, nobody has an old fashioned fax machine at their home anymore. People who transmit faxes do so from their computer or mobile device. Uh, And they don't have fax modems anymore either. Mm -hmm. So they are transmitted over the internet to a, to some company that then forwards the fax Mm -hmm. um, either, either through conventional means, if the receiver happens to have an old fashioned fax machine or through the internet to the receiver. But either way, uh, these ballots will travel, will travel over the internet and they are aired to all of the, uh, Mm security problems
2: that that all other Internet voting systems are heir to. And yet, uh, David, we've talked about this over the years, of course, but I think it, it needs repeating, sadly. Uh, you know, what's wrong with voting over the Internet? We do banking over the Internet. We do our shopping over the Internet. Uh, a lot of people believe right. it's, you know, completely secure. You pay your taxes over the Internet. Uh, why, why shouldn't we be able to vote over the Internet? Uh,
3: so let me come back to that for a second because I want to make another remark about uh, about facts, uh in particular. Okay. Uh, as far as uh, faxes transmitted over the internet are concerned, people have to understand that this is at the the uh, the bottom of the security hierarchy for internet computation. It's down there with email. Faxes uh, as a as a technology uh, is older than the internet. In fact, and and security was never a part of that of that protocol. So that. The caller's number can be forged. The caller ID can be forged. The faxes are not transmitted end to end encrypted. Mm. Uh, These are the same properties that email has. And it's just, and in some cases the faxes are emailed in the last hop to Mm. the, uh, to their destination anyway. Mm -hmm. So um, among the internet voting uh, transmission uh, protocols, it's at the bottom at the security level, gotcha. but it also inherits, as I as I said, all of the other um, uh, problems that internet voting systems are heir to. Um, internet voting is not like uh, it's not like an e-commerce transaction at all. It's not like buying a book from Amazon, even though it superficially looks the same, um, because uh, uh, fundamentally there are differences. Uh, important differences, profound differences between uh, the the uh, the secrecy requirements, the security requirements, the availability requirements, uh, and and uh, the population in the world that is interested has any interest in attacking you. The uh, for example. The Russians do not care whether Amazon sends you a book or not. They're not going to put a lot of their effort into into mm. preventing Amazon from sending you a book. But they will put a lot of effort into preventing your uh, vote from being delivered if they don't like the way you voted um, so that there's there's really no comparison in the security and privacy and availability requirements for public elections. And for e-commerce,
2: there is, uh, as I said, a bunch of opposite, a bunch of groups in opposition to this uh, SB 1480 here in California. Uh, they cite the uh, uh, the ongoing conflict in Ukraine, the threat of Russian cyber attacks on our election infrastructure has increased. Election security is a matter of the highest U.S. national security. So we would be taking a very grave risk to our democracy. Uh, any time the threat of foreign interference is escalated, as it is now. In truth, uh, David Jefferson, I would say I am as concerned not just about foreign interference as you cite and as they cite there, but the threat of domestic interference, given what we have been reporting of late uh, with the uh, GOP election officials actually stealing and making copies of proprietary voting system software, releasing it onto the Internet. Um, but is, is uh, it sounds like both of these both of these, foreign and domestic uh, interference, should give us pause before moving forward with something like this in California or anywhere.
3: So you're absolutely right. Um, anyone in the world with an internet connection can attack uh, an an election conducted over the internet or ballots uh, transmitted over the internet. Um, Yes, our foreign adversaries, uh, we quote a lot, but domestic um, threats to our elections are just as real and may may be becoming um, realer. Mm. And one of the things that everybody has to be aware of is that, uh, you know, it's hard to if if an election is is attacked through the Internet, it's hard to even know that the attack has occurred. Right. I mean, it's an easy out. uh, It's easy to to. to expect that that elections may uh, maybe uh that the outcomes of elections may be switched and we never know that, that there was any problem with the election so mm-hmm. the wrong people are in office the wrong uh, laws have been uh have been passed by the people and we we never know it or if we do know it we'll know it too late or if we mm-hmm. ever find out about it it'll be it'll be yeah it'll be too late to fix anything there's there is no recourse you can, unless you rerun the whole election, for which there's almost no precedent in the
2: history of the United States, so and and this David is one of the things that's most amazing to me about this. I mean, if we you know look around, at what we have been uh, not just reporting on the show, but reporting on nationally, uh, everywhere really for the past uh, year and something now since the November 2020 election. The idea that we would want to go to a technology that even if it is secure, even if every vote is counted perfectly, accurately, there would be no way to actually prove to the public that it actually was counted accurately just seems to be madness. It's like, I don't know if these folks in Sacramento are living in a cave and they haven't heard that there is this whole uh, phony stop the steal movement coming from the right. Uh, I would think they would understand that and they would want to make sure that any election processes are as public as possible. You know, to help prevent people from falsely claiming that an election was uh, w- was stolen, whether it was or wasn't, through one of these uh, schemes on the internet. Uh, David, ha- have you worked directly with many California secretaries of state over the years uh, as an yes. advisor in in various capacities? Uh, ha- yes. Has our has our recently appointed uh, secretary of state, Dr. Shirley Weber, either taken a position on this bill, fourteen eighty? Uh, yet, to your knowledge, or as she reached out to tap your expertise on any of these issues.
3: So, to my knowledge, she has not taken any kind of public position. Mm-hmm. Of course, she came from the legislature, so she has private relationships with the legislature, and she did send her staff, for example, to the Senate Elections Committee hearing uh, a few weeks ago. So, I know she's following the bill, but I don't know that she's taken a public position on it, um, and. Uh, my understanding is that election technology issues are not her primary uh, background anyway. Yeah. She comes from more from the uh, voting rights background. Mm-hmm. And so I, I, I suspect these issues will be um, uh, put in the staff of, in, in the hands of her staff as far as uh, making statements about this bill. But there's, she's been she's made no public statement to my knowledge about it. And I hope
2: I hope she does. I hope she does too, because this is very troubling. It's moving very fast. Uh, if it passes, uh, as as you note, David, uh, going on uh, right now in the Senate. If it passes there, it goes to the Assembly. I think the Assembly Elections uh, uh, co- uh, Committee, uh, yes. and then if it's passed there within the next week, it goes on to the governor. Uh, this is a good um, a good time to take action on this, frankly, if you're in California or anywhere else, because rest assured, you know, uh, what happens in California, unlike Vegas, does not stay in California. <laughs> uh, the good uh, longtime election integrity experts over at scrutineers.org have put together a page. With information on SB 1480 and actions that you can take to help stop it, and/or watch out for similar legislation in your own home state, if you're listening from outside of California, their page is at scrutineers.org/california. Scrutineers.org/california. It will tell you uh, about this bill and and uh, you know who to contact at the state legislature, at the secretaries of State's office, uh, and so forth. Uh, David, I, I really appreciate your uh, making noise about this because this is really sneaking through uh, quickly. Um, yes. Is there any evidence that, uh, like I said, all of these groups were against it? Is there any evidence so far that there are Democrats or even Republicans hearing this opposition in the, uh, in the state legislature?
3: Well, we we get good hearings when we talk to staff members, but um, for example, I was never able to talk to the Senate uh, Elections Committee chairman, of whom I am a constituent, I might add, but that didn't get me a meeting with him. (laughs) Uh, We'll try the same thing on the Assembly side, both in the Elections Committee and then after that the Appropriations Committee in the Assembly. It has to get through both of those before it gets to the floor of the Assembly and the governor, so uh, we'll keep trying uh, trying there.
2: Thank you, sir, for all you do and for continuing to try. I hope others will, will join you in that effort. Dr. David Jefferson worked for years and years at the Lawrence Livermore National Laboratory in California. Uh, he also worked years and years with verifiedvoting.org uh, with various secretaries of state here in California, has been a champion of uh, voting technology that is public, overseeable, and I guess that makes him and secure. And I guess that makes him an opponent of Internet voting. Voting. David Jefferson, always great speaking with you, my friend. Great to be here. Thanks a lot, Brad. Thank you, brother. Uh, okay, once again, that's scrutineers.org slash California for more information. A quick break, and we'll come back with some of your calls. If you'd like to ring in on this or anything else that we've been talking about this hour, 818-985-5735. I think we'll have a few minutes for a couple of quick calls. 818-985-KPFK. I'm Brad Friedman. This is the Bradcast. <laughs> You're listening to The Bradcast. We are 100% listener-supported thanks to listeners like you who stop by bradblog.com slash donate. Welcome back. It's The Bradcast. Brad Friedman from bradblog.com. Let's take a a few quick calls here, 818 985 Five, seven, three, five. I know some folks wanted to ring in uh, 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 what I was into, what I was talking about at the top of this hour and the outrageous <sighs> propaganda coming out of Russia still. And at least one uh, U.N. official standing up to it and quitting and saying this is not the Russia I know. Michael in Duarte. Hey, Michael, welcome to the broadcast, sir. Thank you for holding for quite a while. Oh, do I have Michael? I do not have Michael. Okay. Let me try. Well, we always have Mo, I think. Let's find out. We got Mo? Wait a minute. Let me work these phones if I can ever learn how to do it. Uh, There we go. Oh, Morris, welcome to the broadcast, sir.
3: Dr. Freeman, what is the difference between (laughs) election fraud and voter fraud? G- take your
2: comments off. Yeah. Great question. Great question. Uh, when well, you don't have to take my uh, thoughts off the air, uh, Morris, you might have already gone. Uh, election fraud and voter fraud—they're both fraud. Uh, voter fraud is done by actual voters, where voters actually commit fraud. Voters may—we uh, talked a, a couple of last week or so about a voter, for example, in Arizona who voted for her mother who had died just before the election her ballot showed up at her house she voted for it anyway she was a yeah she was a republican who uh, told investigators that she was concerned that democrats were stealing elections with massive fraud and then she committed fraud herself so that is voter fraud then there is election fraud election fr- voter fraud is a type of election fraud but election fraud is much broader election fraud could be like we were just talking about with david jefferson there uh, when somebody domestic, foreign, or an insider election official, like the ones we were talking about last week, who copied that uh, voting system software in Georgia, where they manipulate the system in some way, they hack into the system. Voter fraud could also be considered. I'm sorry, election fraud could also be considered. Uh, where there is a grand scheme to prevent people from voting, to suppress the vote, to uh, collect absentee ballots, as Republicans did in 2018, and change them without the voters' knowledge uh, to the point where they had to uh, call off a U.S. House race and rerun a U.S. House race in North Carolina. So uh, voter fraud is a type of election fraud, but election fraud is much, much broader. Does that make sense? Does that answer your question, Mo? Oh, he did listen off air. That's so right. We don't have <laughs> he <laughs> said he
0: was going to listen off
2: air. I ought to take his word when he tells me. Yes, um, indeed. But yeah. That's uh, yeah. You had a thought, does? Well,
0: it, it it reminds me of a lot of people that seem to have this uh, this uh, you know misunderstanding because obviously elections are uh, our elections are are kind of mysterious to many people, well, so they not... don't actually know a whole lot about the actual laws and procedures. So it makes it very easy to mislead folks on what procedures are that uh, mm-hmm. that are actually pretty good. Like when it comes to oh, you know that that two thousand mules documentary that you have been uh, that debunking that phony
2: right wing uh, yeah.
0: Exactly. Uh, you know, that most people, if they don't understand the uh, the, the stringent, strict quali- uh, procedures that go mm-hmm. through for verifying uh, in absentee ballots or ballots mm-hmm. that are mailed in or dropped off, that they might think that this might be an excellent vector for trying to steal an election. But it seems like it's a silly way to well, do it because you could only do it like one or two ballots at a time.
2: So voter fraud, sort of that re- uh, uh, retail voter fraud, one ballot at a, at a time, as opposed to being able to get into a computer system remotely or... In- An insider who works in the election office being able to change hundreds, thousands of votes all at once, and nobody will ever know. And one of the reasons that people are confused about this, why it's difficult to follow, uh, sure, our systems may be okay uh, to protect against uh, fraud. But what makes them actually work is that people oversee them. Citizens oversee them. It is not enough to simply trust in any particular process. It's required that us, we, the people, we, the citizenry, oversee what goes on in these elections. And when we are locked out, when we use uh, counting systems that cannot be overseen like internet voting, well, that's when you run into problems and bad guys can show up and claim voter fraud even if there is zero evidence to support it. Does that sound familiar? Well, that's my nightmare, and that's the nightmare we are currently all living under here in these United States. And
0: that's why you always call for hand-marked paper ballots, because after the election, that is verifiable.
2: Thank you very much, Desi Doyen. we got to get out. Uh, that's Desi, our producer. Thanks to our board operator, Gary Baca. To my guest today, Dr. David Jefferson, formerly of Livermore Labs and verified voting, and to all of you for spending a portion of your day or night with us. If you missed any portion of today's program or any of the other ones, you can download them anytime for free at bradblog.com. Drop me email if you like. I'm bradcast at bradblog.com. And on the Facebooks and the Twitters, I am the BradBlog. See you there. Until we see you here, hopefully tomorrow, I'm Brad Friedman. Good luck, world.